Hey, welcome to Car Pulling with Adam, Season 2. <laughs> Sorry, the real sound effects would have been way better, but I'm not that advanced. And I'm having some had some technical difficulties uh, getting going, so hopefully I got enough time left on my drive home here to just at least get a meaningful little chat in. Uh, I'm going to call this season two because I'm going to be having more of a sent a focused uh, discussion and topics centered around shape up uh, by base camp. Something about stop going in circles and shipwork that matters. Sorry, I really should quote it directly, but I don't want to be looking at stuff while I'm driving, so I'm just going to have to go straight from memory. So I started reading. Um, I'm a few chapters in, but I'm going to back up way to like the intro section of the book, and a point that was made in there is what I want to talk to you about today. Um, so one of the things, <clears throat> the first things they mentioned that catches my attention in this is um, Ryan Singer, who's the product manager at Basecamp, who's writing this. Uh, this I will eventually be a book, so I'm just going to call that a book. Um, talks about the challenges that all software companies face when it comes to uh, design and how much upfront design and all that to do. Um, so, you know, a lot of companies take different approaches. But he said, I like how he said, we just needed to come up with a new vocabulary. So they call it shaping. And, oh, well, good. I'm slowing down to a crawl on the freeway. So I've got plenty of time now to be, be talking to you. How, how, how wonderful. Anyway, so they define shaping as the upfront design work that they do to set boundaries and reduce risks... Now, this is the part that I really, really hooks it for me. Before they're committed to teams. So before they even commit work to teams or get <clears throat> get works, get teams to commit to building something, they do some level of design work to set boundaries and reduce risks. And they talk about later about uh, uh, we don't give teams work to do that still has a bunch of rabbit holes and interdependencies. That concept is kind of nuts, right? Or at least it is certainly not common practice in the software development industry as I have observed. Um, and often... The response to this is, well, I don't know, maybe I don't want to get into the response just yet. Maybe I want to keep talking about <clears throat> um, a little more background first, right? So how it happens in most companies, at least in my observation, is somebody does some level of risk assessment probably not somebody who has the expertise to do it related to a specific software project. Most of the time it's not. Somebody does some kind of financial analysis to decide whether it's worth it. Some companies have processes for vetting ideas. Some of them are really intensive. Some of them are not. Some take years. Some may take hours, minutes, or um, I'm not going to say seconds because that would be absurd. But 
you know, days, weeks, whatever, varying time frames, trying to get a handle on this. And what I most often see is what someone thinks is the product or they'll, they'll go to the development team and say, here, we've come up with this product for you to build. Um, and then the people actually who need to involved in, in building it are looking at it like, uh, really, this is a theory or a concept, right? So you always have this conflict. You have, and, and I'm going to say it this way because that's in reality how it is. And if, if you are a stranger to the concept of there being a business side of a company and the software development side, um, bless you and count your lucky stars and, and soak up every minute of that. But for those of us who are not, who we have this business side and software development side, which I've touched on in the past and why that's not such a great idea or structure. But anywho, well, they think this is the end product or that's, we've given you a written spec or we have the design document or we have the RFP. Um, that should be enough for you to go on. Now, mind you who that is usually coming from. I'm going to bet that 99.53% of the time, that is not someone who has ever done any kind of development or development-related work ever. Okay? It's somebody who really would have no concept of when uh, the actual software product is defined enough that the team can take it and build it. Okay, you don't, if you don't work closely with software development and haven't worked as a software developer, you have no concept of what's involved in building software, the complexity, the creativity, all of these factors that are involved. You're not gonna have any concept. So to go to a development team and think that you're somehow handing them something on a silver platter ready for them to take and run with is false. Not because you're a jerk or mean or because I'm bitter, but because you just wouldn't have any concept of what is involved to think you could just walk over and hand it to a software team. Um, the other the other response I often get to this when I'm talking, having this discussion with people who are in the industry, software developers and, and managers who've been software developers and, and whatnot, their response is often, well, that's job security. That's why we get paid the big bucks. Uh, okay. Well, let's break that down for a second. If job security means vague, nebulous, and often ridiculous requirements or specifications that are going to waste a lot of time and money just figuring out what the heck it is to begin with before it's even tangibly built or can even be uh, start to ship pieces of it. Uh, no thanks. That, that doesn't feel secure to me. High risk, low reward, death march, horrible project, sure doesn't feel like job security to me. So that, that notion is false. Um, that's why we get paid the big bucks. Okay, so I guess there's some kind of threshold that 
at some point I am paid so much money, I just have to shut up and build whatever's asked of me. I don't think, I think that's kind of a false notion. I really don't, really don't think that's the case. Because at some point, no matter how much you're paying somebody, they're going to go, no, no thanks. For example, if if I uh, want a house built and I decide that the entire structure has to be built from reinforced liquid silicone, right? And I go to a contractor and I say, hey, I norm I know you guys normally do the whole cement wood sheetrock thing, but I'm thinking silicone. And the contractor's going, ah, and you say, but I'll pay you double or triple what you would normally get paid. Uh, I'd be leery of anyone who would sign off on that deal, right? That, that There's not a whole lot you can trust on both sides of that, right? So again, bad, bad argument, but I, I hear it all the time. To me, just just doesn't hold any water, Okay. So then another common response by the business side to push back in these scenarios is, well, geez, I can't give you everything on a silver platter. <laughs> okay. Well, that, that concept is just outright false. Okay. I have never, ever heard of or seen or read about any account of a company handing something to their software developers that is so ready to develop and so low risk and a lot of the major issues worked out that they can just sit down and code and test and ship and it's wonderful right away. Never, ever, ever has that happened with people who use traditional processes and methods and workflows. It just, it, it can't happen. It's impossible. Again, because you have people who don't have a first notion of what's involved in building software, trying to tell you what, or how software um, can even talk about software other than from a very end user perspective, right? Telling you this is what you have to build when I can't, I couldn't walk into a major automobile manufacturer and say, hey, here's, uh, I got some ideas here for your next, your next model, you know, check them out. Wouldn't even attempt that because it would be so absurd, right? But for some reason in the software business world, that's totally acceptable to do. I don't know anything about what you guys do or how you build it, but here's what I want and you should just be able to build it right away. Oh, okay. So you want me to build you a car what can you tell me about the car it's four wheels and a steering wheel and an engine you know car stuff typical car stuff okay still not enough right so people always swing the pendulum well I can't give everything to you on a silver platter you gotta figure something out for yourself okay well no one has ever handed anything to a software dev team that's like well there is nothing left for us to figure out we shall all sit down and start writing the code immediately no, just never happens. So that's that's dumb. That's it's it's a stupid notion, and I having it thrown up is just so absurd. So something else on this. Um, 
I know uh, a lot of Agile people are going to be screaming, well, that's what definition of ready is for, and that's, okay, great. Well, calling the process something different and structuring it differently, but still having people who can't define software products telling you what the product is, that doesn't fix it. It, it just doesn't. Okay? I've seen a lot of attempts, traditional project management approaches of, well, we're going to lean hard on the marketing and product people until they give us a spec we can work with. Okay, It's never going to happen because they're not software people. They wouldn't have the first clue how to give that to you. So, no. I'm calling it a definition of ready, and I can't remember all the criteria. Though people, same people, aren't even going to understand those criteria to meet them. Okay, so agile in this case and definition of ready and all those other variants are not a silver bullet on this case either. It's just, just not going to happen. Um, oh, there was another one I was thinking of that I've heard all the time that I got so deep into the other ones I forgot it now. Um, shoot, maybe it'll come back. So all these narratives, right? are just so here's the thing uh, and may uh, um, often people assume because of my tone or how I express things that I'm being judgy and critical maybe I am to a certain extent um, but I'm not that's not my intent I get why things are this way right we're still trying to grapple with technology as a society as a nation whatever you know whatever you want to broad you want to take it and what that means to the business world and we're still trying to sort that out some things we've figured out but it's changing so fast and evolving so fast that traditionally businesses and the business world cannot keep up so we're just not at that point where businesses are going to be good at describing the problem well enough for it to be resolved effectively we're just not we're just not there um, a lot of places, right? Um, now there's this whole thing about, well, making decisions data-driven. Okay. Um, that only gets you so far. And then what I have seen is decisions are too data-driven, meaning they base them entirely on data, and maybe the data doesn't tell the whole story. Now, I'm a data guy. I love data. I love facts, right? I don't, I want to remove the subjectiveness as much as possible. But I still have never encountered this situation where I have all the data I would need to make the best decision, right? So it's always, for most people, it's a mix of both. You've got some data to help guide it, uh, making the decision based entirely on data, dangerous. Um, maybe a compromise I've heard of is you're data driven however you you experiment well the data tells this let's try this er, that didn't work what do we learn that to me is a more hopeful situation but places where they've got whole teams of people crunching stuff in spreadsheets and that's what's driving decisions I think that's better than gut checks but I don't think we're there yet that we have the full breadth and expanse of data that we would need to really rely solely on data for our decision making. We 
still need experience, we still need insights, we still need understanding, we still need learning, all these other things still have to be key factors, right? So, that seems like a totally legitimate, perfectly reasonable thing, right? Where people struggle is how do you know how much upfront design you need to do in order to accomplish that, okay? Um, some of the approaches I've, one of the approaches I've heard of and actually seen firsthand is wireframes, right? Or straw mans, whatever term, doesn't matter, the same thing. And they talk about in, in Shape Up in this book, how even that doesn't quite, unfortunately, that goes too far because the wireframe or the straw man or the mock-up even, they mentioned those, goes too far and leads users to presume that some decisions have already been made and something's already known when in fact they're not, okay? I've often been in discussions where the people who are describing what they want to me or what they think will solve the problem, they can only speak to the UI, right? Well, can it just be a checkbox? And then you explain, well, here's why a checkbox isn't necessarily the best thing and why it doesn't solve the problem we're trying. Okay, well then how about a dropdown, a text box or a, a, a list that they select from? Okay, again, <laughs> the UI component is not the thing that's in question. We're trying to get at the problem we're solving, right? So having a mock-up of the UI <coughs> maybe answers some questions. I've been workplaces where the mock-up, I was expected to follow it exactly, including the color palette I used. Um, nuts, right? So you have that extreme. And I said, what if I can't quite get this exact shade of orange? Well, you better keep trying because that's what it has to be. All right. I don't really think that matters, but okay. And uh, in the end, push came to shove, and I got it as close as I could, and now it's time to deliver it. Either you take it now, or I spend forever trying to match your orange. Yeah, well, we need it, so we'll take it now. Yeah, that's what I thought. There's that extreme to, um, it doesn't, doesn't answer the, the problem, a UI, having a form with controls on it is not the hard part of software folks it's just not it's everything that's behind that the interactions with the database that may or may not exist and be fully developed to support what you're trying to do and and the logic that has to happen and the behaviors that when a certain option is clicked or something is select all of that that's where the hard part is mocking up a UI is not the hard part and doesn't give you the product and, and and now some people are saying right now well that's it's just provides a talking point like a straw man or wireframe would um maybe but again they can be misleading and a user can look at them and go that's how i would envision it so they're there they've got the solution that ready they've got it they know exactly what i'm asking for when in reality because users don't understand the depth and breadth, breadth of building a software product, it's not. It's not anywhere close. The hard parts are not done. Just because you can wireframe it or straw man it out. 
I think it might be a good basis for starting a conversation as long as the areas that can be misleading are known and you still work through them, but I, I don't ever see that happening. Usually the people trying to get discussions on wireframes um, can't go deep enough to have that conversation to make it worthwhile, right? So, so what's the big deal? Why, why not give a team um, a mess and let them sort it out because you think that's, well, no, that's not where their real skill and their real craft comes in. Or it can, I mean, software teams, unfortunately, because of the world that they've lived in for so long, have gotten very good at trying to sort this crap out and figure out, but it still takes time, takes a lot of money, your failure rates get costs are costly and there's a lot more of them and it's just a, a risky approach altogether and takes you longer and is more fraught with peril and and then you've got a team stressed out because they're trying to make the best out of a mess that may or may not be able to be sorted out, right? There's the other thing. Well, that's just that's just inherent in the software business. No, if, if your software business is really risky, you're doing something wrong. It doesn't have to be. As far as a business venture, software's cheap. The most expensive thing is the time, of course, but you've got you've got people working on stuff anyways. But your entry costs are cheap. Software is pretty inexpensive, and platforms and computers, <clears throat> compared to other businesses that require capital, uh, more serious capital investments, you know they they shouldn't be risky. And if you're going into it. That with you feel like it's really a risky thing, you're you're doing it wrong, and you're handing a a pile over to your team to it's just just a really bad idea. Good good luck succeeding with that venture. Your your odds of succeeding have just dramatically decreased. I would even venture to say exponentially. So we can't just accept that that's anyone who just wants you, pushes you to just accept that's how the industry is, doesn't understand the industry and doesn't understand the useless and frivolous risks that they're asking their dev teams to take consistently over and over. Not to mention you're asking them to make a bunch of personal sacrifices for your sloppiness and, uh, you know, I, I don't know, you're going to have a hard time convincing me to go all in on something because of your bad decisions and um, your poor business practices. Tell, tell my wife and kids why it's a worthwhile sacrifice for me to make for you. I, I don't know. That, that argument doesn't hold water for very long. <clears throat> and it's also, in my opinion, <clears throat> coming from something I mentioned a lot, a place of command and control kind of a tyrannical approach to getting things done, which everybody loves. You know, everybody loves a good tyrant regime. You know, that's our favorite. Humans just love that kind of stuff. It's the best. Anyway, 
it's worth changing your processes, your business practices um, to minimize risks and so that when it comes time for you to ask a software development team to build something, they know what they're building and have some of the ugliness of it already sorted out. Going to get a much better result. Why? Because they spend less time struggling through roadblock, roadblock after roadblock and more time creatively finding solutions and building the software effectively. If you want me to spend my time just and my team to just figure out what the heck it is you're asking us to build, you can do that, but understand that's not getting the software built. And if it is, it's getting it very poorly built and we're just piling up some nice technical debt and that's a whole other discussion and there's way too much out there about that. And maybe they get into that in this book. I don't know, I haven't seen it yet so far. But anyway, I think that's enough on this subject for today and I'm almost home anyways last time I ended the podcast I saw a couple really weird things that I thought oh I recorded ended the recording just in time to not be able to comment on those kind of funny things I saw on the drive home like a box of construction nails dumped out right next to the road you know what, what can go wrong there and there was something else goofy but Anyways, um, maybe I'll leave it running just a little bit and enjoy some of the musings and observations I have before I am able to safely pull into my driveway and put the work day and the drive behind me. Anyways, I really like this. Uh, thank you to my friend Kevin for giving me a suggestion on kind of how to approach this. I was struggling with trying to boil the ocean. He gave me some great suggestions and advice and I think it'll work out really well and I'll have lots to talk about for a very long time and it won't just entirely be me rambling and ranting and raving and spreading my disgruntledness <laughs> and hopefully lead to positive constructive things anyways thanks for joining me and listening hopefully it's got you thinking about some stuff and we'll see we will not see you we will talk to you. You will listen maybe hopefully next time. Bye.